Welcome or welcome back. If it's your first time, great to have you join us. Matthew Grant here. Now, we all know flood events are increasing around the world, and this is still a tough peril to cover with conventional insurance. Parametric solutions are helping to provide new capacity to ensure catastrophic risks, but parametric flood insurance is not yet as popular as parametric covers for hurricanes and earthquakes, due in part to data and modeling challenges specific to flood. Well, Henry Gale is your host this week, and he's speaking to Peter Lacovera, head of commercial at Floodbase. And they talk about how the company is working to make parametric flood insurance possible with satellite imagery, machine learning, and partnerships with insurers and brokers. Peter Lacovara, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks a lot for having me, Henry. I'm happy to be here. So you're the head of commercial for Floodbase, and the company was founded in 2015, originally called Cloud to Street, and you're specialized in flood mapping. You started off working with governments to manage their flood response, but recently you raised $12 million in your Series A and rebranded to Floodbase with an offering to the insurance industry using your data to model and monitor flood risk for parametric insurance. Peter, what have I missed there? Uh, no, I think that's exactly right. We've been in the business of flood mapping for almost 10 years, but we are kind of new to the insurance world, and that was really the impetus for raising a Series A about a year ago. But you're not new to the insurance world. Tell me a bit about your background and what attracted you to work at Floodbase. So I joined Floodbase in April of 2022, so just over a year ago from Marsh, where I was uh, head of Parametric Center of Excellence for the US, Canada, and the Caribbean. I was also alternative risk transfer leader, so I had a remit that was broader than parametric, but also parametric-specific responsibility. What attracted me to Floodbase was uh, actually a number of deals that we looked at when I was at Marsh for different clients where they were looking for parametric flood covers and they, parametric flood was just extremely hard to do. It was very hard to find the right kind of data that's necessary. And even when we could find the right data, that might have been a stream gauge or a tidal gauge or something like that that tells the elevation of water at a certain location. It was very hard to intersect that type of data with losses or to really be able to strongly correlate that data with what the client was seeking to insure against. In my research, and actually it, to some degree it fell into my lap, I found this company, which was at the time called Cloud to Street, and they were a group of scientists basically seeking to solve exactly that problem for the parametric space. So the opportunity came across for me to join the company and help lead the efforts in the parametric and broader insurance space, and I could see that it was a great opportunity for me. Most listeners to this podcast by now will have heard of parametric insurance is when payouts are based on an event trigger rather than an assessment of loss. So for hurricanes, you might have a payout based on how fast the wind speed was at a certain location rather than having an adjuster come around and assess the damage. It's quite complicated to do for a peril-like flood, and we're going to get into some of the details of that later. But uh, Peter, why were clients coming to you when you were at Marsh looking for parametric flood insurance? There were a number of key reasons. One of them was a simple question of capacity. Indemnity flood capacity in certain areas at the time was quite constrained. And given the flood loss activity in the U.S. since I've left Marsh, I'm going to assume that that problem has continued on the client side. 
Another reason that a lot of clients came to us was having flood losses and just the, the difficulty of getting those claims adjusted and the amount of time that it took for those claims to be adjusted. We had a client who had a major loss from severe flooding in Tennessee and it took them basically years to get that claim adjusted. And so they immediately came back and said, look, we wanna look at parametric flood because the profile of the claim may be a little bit different in the future, but we know that we'll get this thing adjusted quickly and it's not gonna be something that we're fighting with insurance companies for years over. And before the podcast, we were just chatting about how there's a lot of flood risk out there but not all of it is reaching the flood insurance market. Could you just sort of expand on that a little bit? And how can parametric help? I think that's one of the most interesting challenges that we grapple with here at Floodbase is trying to understand why flood is viewed so differently from other catastrophe risk. I think that there's a simple answer and then there's a more complicated answer. The simple answer is in the U.S., flood has not been considered a peak peril. That's not the case outside the U.S. In many places, it is considered a peak peril or even the peak peril. But in the U.S., that's one of the reasons people just don't think about it the same way that they think about their wind risk or their earthquake risk or things like that, which means that they don't budget the same way for it. It's often not been a problem in years past. What we're seeing, of course, now with climate change is that that's changing a lot. We saw a few months ago with the historic flooding in California, we've seen horrible flooding across the U.S., horrible flooding around the world, terrible floods last summer in Pakistan, for example. It is becoming a true peak peril globally. I think that that's starting to get people thinking more about the way that they ensure flood, but it's still in many places not viewed through the same lens as the other more traditional peak perils. And what can parametric flood insurance do that traditional flood insurance can't? So I think that parametric solves two problems and they're different problems in different places. In the developed world where generally there's flood capacity, it solves the problem of floods being more complex than the physical damage that they result in. So you think about the way that indemnity insurance works. Indemnity is designed to respond to physical damage. In a lot of loss scenarios, it's not just the physical damage from flooding. In some cases, there's no physical damage from flooding, but it's things like loss of ingress, egress, it's non-physical damage, business interruption. There's all these other categories for which corporates or individuals even can have losses that traditional indemnity insurance simply doesn't respond to. If you're truly only concerned about physical damage, often indemnity insurance is a great solution. If your business is more complicated than the you know bricks and mortar that hold it up, then parametric can really solve a lot of problems that indemnity can't and won't ever. That's a problem in the developed world. In the developing world, it's more a problem of the challenges of data, of delivering indemnity insurance in general. So in a lot of places around the world, it's simply uneconomical for companies to offer a product that you need a model to underwrite, and the model has to be location-specific. And then you also have the problem of needing to be able to deliver and adjust claims. If you're in the mountains of Colombia, it could take weeks for an adjuster just to get to you after a flood loss. So for a lot of insurance companies, it doesn't even make sense to offer cover like that. In the developing world, what Parametric is solving is access to the data and to the ability to deliver a full insurance product that may not even be available outside of the parametric world. And so who are the sort of clients or end customers, if you like, for parametric insurance that you've seen interest from so far? You know, we've seen demand and business from 
literally farmers in the developing world all the way to the reinsurance and, and ILS insurance link securities market. I think generally speaking, parametric flood fits well with larger corporates or kind of mid-sized to larger corporates and as a reinsurance trade. I think that's one of the places that it will get most interesting is when we start to see more parametric reinsurance done for flood. Because again, this is a this is a risk that is is aggregated that virtually every PNC insurer has. The ones that are writing homeowners, for example, you have enormous exposure to these kind of correlated events. That's a great cover to go into the parametric market. And we haven't seen a parametric reinsurance flood transaction yet. I don't think that it's happened at all, but I think that that's where the market is going to have to get, again, just given the way that the loss profiles have been the last few years for flood. Interesting. And certainly there's an overlap when you get to the largest corporates that have their own captive insurers that might want coverage for that through to reinsurance as well. You mentioned business interruption earlier. What sort of corporates uh, are looking for parametric flood insurance and what business activities are they protecting? A lot of what we've seen the interest coming from is either contingent business interruption where capacity can be quite a challenge. That's a big focus for corporates. Supply chain is a big question, which supply chain throughout the world is heavily impacted by flood. So we've seen a lot of companies that are interested in looking at covers like this for supply chain. I'll give you an example. I think people still remember the 2011 flooding in Thailand, which affected nearly the whole country. And it had a huge impact on tech and semiconductor manufacturing, general manufacturing, et cetera. Flood in Thailand is still challenging, and we do have companies coming to us, Western companies in many cases, coming to talk to us about the exposure that they have in Thailand. In some cases, that's a physical damage exposure, but in many cases, it's that it closes airports, it closes ports, it kind of gets in the way of the whole flow of business. And again, the more complex that a business is, the more ways that it's going to be exposed to flood that are beyond the physical damage. And one of the things that we've seen is just the complexity of supply chains now and how they can be impacted, sometimes for very long periods of time, in some cases months, as a result of flooding. So that's definitely been something we've seen a lot of interest in. So where does FloodBase fit into this market? Are you an MGA or are you providing data? How does it work? That's a, it's maybe my favorite question. We are not an MGA. We often come off sounding a bit like an MGA because we provide a lot of the same types of services that an MGA does. But fundamentally, we're a data company and we're what some people would call either a reporting agent or a calculation agent. We can provide those services. But in essence, Henry, we help either MGAs or carriers with the brokers that we work with. We help to structure price and, of course, provide the data that's necessary for triggering parametric covers. So we're kind of an end-to-end solution, but we engage with the insurance carrier, with the MGA, with the broker to develop those solutions alongside them. The term they're reporting agent or calculation agent, meaning that at the point of there being a flood experience by the policyholder of a parametric flood insurance policy, you're the company that will determine has that policy been triggered or not, or provide the data that will determine that. So tell us about where you get that data from to determine the metrics of the flood and what do you do with it? 
Yeah, so we have two different approaches. We have a approach that's consistent globally, and then we have some kind of enhanced capabilities in the U.S. as well. From a global perspective, we have a machine learning algorithm that takes data directly from satellites and parses out what in a given satellite image is water versus not water. It sounds simple, and actually to the human eye, in many cases, it is simple. But to a computer, it's not necessarily that simple. And so the way that we develop this algorithm that, that uses the satellite data is by essentially manually labeling flood maps and teaching a machine learning model to understand what a flood looks like. And floods don't all look the same, right? So you can't just say if something is blue, it's water. You know, sometimes water is brown, sometimes water is green. So it has to take into account contextual clues as well to make decisions about what's water. That turns out to be extremely accurate when you have a very large body of data to train the model on. In our case, we are extremely accurate, and that's largely due to the fact that we have the world's largest database of satellite flood maps. That really took years to build. Floodbase, or, or formerly Cloud to Street, goes back almost 10 years. One of the advantages of that approach is that we don't have to develop a model that's specific to a country. We train the machine learning algorithm on flood maps from everywhere around the world, which means that it has exposure to an enormous variety of different types of floods. So that's how it's done globally. In the US, we take the same approach in essence, but we add in additional data as well. The US has a public flood model called the National Water Model, which has a variety of different inputs, things like soil moisture content, stream flow information, et cetera. And we use that information in conjunction with a model that's been trained to take that data and look at what a satellite flood map looks like in order to, in essence, fuse those two things. So what I mean by that is in the US, we trained a model by saying, this is a flood map and this is the soil moisture and this is the stream flow in this location. These are all these other inputs. And so we taught a model to say, when the flood map looks like this and the data looks like this, understand how those two things are connected retest the model by withholding data. So let's say that we have 100 flood maps. We'll take 20 of those away and we won't show them to the model at all. And we'll say with this residual 80 flood maps and, and these you know, all these data points that are relevant to each flood map, train the model to understand how those things are connected. And then we test the model by taking those last 20, give it the data input that says, this is what the stream flow was like, this is what the soil moisture was in this location, et cetera. And then we ask it to output a map. And then we compare the accuracy of the synthetically generated map with the actual map, with the truth. And that's how we gauge the accuracy. And again, this turns out to be extremely accurate. Why isn't this available outside the US? The reason is the data that is used to train the model is US specific data, which means that we can use the same approach in other countries. We just have to train a new model. So unlike our global flood approach, which is purely satellite driven, we don't have to train that using location specific data for this kind of synthetically generated map. We do have to train it with local specific data. You've trained a machine to be really good at understanding where the flood is and details about the flood from satellite imagery and from this other data you're inputting it. Where is that satellite imagery coming from? For different purposes, we use 17 different kinds of satellite. Those run the whole spectrum from optical satellites, so just cameras in the sky, to synthetic aperture radar, which is basically beaming radar at the Earth and then collecting what bounces back. We use microwave. We use a variety of different types of satellite. We generally are using public satellites, uh, and the reason for that is twofold. One, 
it's very transparent. So theoretically, anybody could look at any satellite image that we get that we've run our algorithm on and could make their own determination about where the water is. But the other thing is that data is very consistent. So the satellites have been in the sky for a long time, so we can use that to help us, again, understand risk and support carriers on the pricing side. But also we know exactly when we're going to get a satellite image. We work with most or all of the commercial satellite operators as well. Commercial satellites are generally higher resolution, so that's an advantage. The disadvantage is that those higher resolution satellites are tasked, which means that you have to point them at something. And tasking window can be anywhere from a few hours to, in some cases, days. And so if you go to a commercial satellite operator and say, I think there's a flood happening right now, can you point a satellite at it? it might take a little while to get that image. So we feel that from an insurance perspective, the consistency of the data from public satellites is preferable to the higher resolution you might get from a commercial satellite because the trade that you're making on consistency of data is not a worthwhile trade from our perspective. But for our government and NGO business, we still often use those tasked commercial satellites because they can bring some distinctive advantages to the table as well. So... You're not operating satellites yourselves, but you're working with most of the companies that are operating satellites so that you can use their images. What does that mean about the frequency with which you can update data about floods and how far back you've got this data as well? Yeah, so with our global parametric flood capabilities, we're generally using the MODIS mission, which is about a 20 or 22-year-old public mission of satellites operated by NASA. So we have over 20 years of data everywhere in the world. The advantage of that, again, is the consistency. We have twice daily overpasses. So these two satellites, Aqua and Terra, are passing over everywhere on the planet twice a day which means everywhere in the world, we're gonna have two satellite images. That does mean that flooding on using our global approach has to persist for generally more than 12 hours. So flash floods can be a challenge and, and we're very transparent about that. In the US, the advantage that the synthetically generated map brings to the table is it's much higher temporal frequency. So we're outputting information about floods on hourly intervals. And then one other difference between the global and the US model is that because the data that feeds the US model, the national water model goes back to 1979, we can map uh, every flood that's taken place in the continental US since 1979. And we can use that data to create a probability distribution function that helps us understand the likelihood of future floods. So we have just a, a lot more data to rely on in the US than we have globally. So once you've done all your analysis, what is the output you're able to provide to an insurance company? And how do they use that in their parametric product? So the output that we produce is, it can be a variety of different metrics. One of the most commonly used approaches is to use fractional flooded area as the parameter for a parametric policy. Now, fractional flooded area is exactly what it sounds like. It's the fraction of an area that is flooded. So that's gonna change over time. So you can define an area of interest which can be any arbitrary size. It could be a few city blocks if that's all that's relevant to you, or it could be an entire country in some cases. You take that and you look at the portion of that area which is flooded. And so we use that index to both to price so we can look over time how frequently does that number change? What are the most extreme portions of that area that become flooded? What are the least extreme? And then we fit that to a distribution function and that helps us with the pricing. 
And then the trigger is exactly the same data set. So when the event happens, we look at what portion of the area of interest is flooded, and that's what determines the payout. Now, in some cases, we've used things like depth of flooding or other metrics about the flooding. In theory, one of the beautiful things about using flood mapping for this purpose is that we can intersect a flood map with a variety of other maps. So we could say the parameter we want to use is the number of farmers' fields that are flooded. So if we have basically data about where farmers' fields are, we can just overlay that with a satellite flood map. And lo and behold, we know how many farmers' fields were flooded. On the government side, we often intersect that data with critical infrastructure data. So a government may want to be notified if more than five hospitals are affected by a flood or if this super important road or bridge or tunnel is impacted or something like that. So it can be a variety of different things, but generally that fractional flooded area that I described, because that's very consistent, it's very clear, it's easy to understand, it's how much of this area is flooded, that's generally the parameter and that insurance companies are using to trigger the payout. Okay, so it's not what did the flood look like at this specific point, it's over an area how has the flood impacted that whole area? So people break up parametric into intensity. So how extreme is the event kind of at a specific location? The depth of water at a specific location or the local wind speed, that's an intensity measure. And then you can think of the alternative in the parametric world being something like magnitude of the event. So that might be what's the Saffir-Simpson category rating of a hurricane or moment magnitude of an earthquake. Fractional flooded area, I would think of as a very good way to measure the magnitude of the flood. So how extreme was this flood relative to all other flooding that's ever taken place in that area? That's a very good way to think of fractional flooded area. You're also working with insurers on hurricanes, and hurricanes is one of the applications that parametric insurance has been used for quite some years. Tell us a little bit about what FloodBase has been able to do with parametric hurricane insurance. We're very excited about what we're doing on the hurricane side. So you asked me at the beginning of our conversation here, what brought me to, to flood base. I, I mentioned just the challenge with data on floods. What I didn't mention is the opportunity that I saw in the hurricane space or what we call an in insurance, the wind space, especially in parametric. And so uh, there were specific events and specific geographies in the US where I repeatedly was trying to develop parametric wind programs for clients. Let's say you're an energy client in South Texas and you're very interested in a parametric wind cover. And I say, okay, what was your loss like in Hurricane Harvey? It was horrible. It was the worst loss that we've ever had. The challenge when you look at an event like Hurricane Harvey is that it was very far away from Houston when it made landfall. It lost intensity very, very quickly. So anything that's triggered based on local wind speed, not going to respond to a Harvey. Anything that's triggered on the hurricane path, that's not going to respond to Hurricane Harvey because it lost its intensity way too far away from the city of Houston. But then it basically parked over Houston or it made a sort of loop around Houston. It dropped 60 inches, you know, almost two meters of, of rain. You're trying to develop a parametric wind program and you know that the biggest loss in Texas history, period, but certainly for many clients was from Hurricane Harvey. But what was the loss from Hurricane Harvey? It was flood. It was not wind. Probably most of the more recent hurricanes have largely been flood events. They've not really been wind events. And if you look at the news after, you know, everything from Hurricane Ida back to Hurricane Katrina, you look at the news and it's not what you used to see from the Hurricane Andrews in the early 90s of roofs ripped off of buildings. It's people rowing a canoe down the street because of flooding. 
And so we're still building parametric wind covers, which in many cases, wind is still an important part of the puzzle. But I could see that there were these kind of standout events like Hurricane Harvey, where it was essentially not at all a wind event. And trying to build a parametric wind cover for somebody who had a huge loss in Harvey just didn't make a lot of sense. So what we do at Floodbase is we allow insurers to offer a cover that can both respond to wind, but it can also respond to flooding. So it means that you lose the exposure to those events like Harvey that were largely not wind events. Yeah, I imagine if you're in an area that's frequently affected by hurricanes, you're worried about the damage you're going to experience, whether it comes from flood or wind or the business interruption you'll experience. So this is all in one policy, is that right? So you don't need to buy one flood policy and one wind policy. We're going to respond to whatever the loss is. If it's a Hurricane Andrew with high wind speeds, or it's a Hurricane Maria with very high wind speeds and not so much a flood event, great, we're going to capture it on that and the client's going to get paid. If it's a Hurricane Harvey or it's an Ian, for example, like last year in Florida, that was, again, a flood event. It was not really a wind event. And so we're going to be able to capture those too. So for the client, we're talking about a broadness of cover that's never been available in the parametric space before. So we're really excited about what that's bringing to the table, and we've certainly seen a lot of interest in it. So, Peter, what companies is Floodbase working with already? Both, I know you're working with some organizations in the public sector as well as in insurance. Yeah, so on the government and NGO side, we work with about 30 governments around the world. We were recently in the news as having been selected by FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency in the U.S. What we're doing with FEMA is we're applying, in essence, parametric technology to help them respond to flood events. So FEMA administers the National Flood Insurance Program, the NFIP, which is the U.S.'s subsidized and federally operated flood insurance scheme. It's still a traditional indemnity solution. So what we're doing with FEMA is we're using parametric triggers to help them know when an event is of a certain size and how to respond from an adjuster perspective. So where should they be sending adjusters? When do they need to send adjusters, et cetera? That will help them respond more quickly. So it's triggering an action from these parameters rather than a parametric claims payout. Tell us about some of the other companies and organizations you're working with. We're engaged with, I would say, the majority of the largest parametric insurers and MGAs. And then we're working with a number of brokers. From our perspective, brokers really are the distribution channel for parametric. They're the kind of first line of defense from an educational perspective because they have those direct client relationships. We would love to engage with everybody. We're a small company. And so I would say to your listeners, if you haven't heard from us, don't be insulted. And I think that leads into how to get into contact with us. If for your listeners, if they hear something that they're interested in hearing more about today, we would love for them to reach out to us. I'm Peter at floodbase.com. Our website is floodbase.com. So that's F-L-O-O-D, flood base, B-A-S-E. There's a contact us form. Those contacts go right to our team. We're happy to hear from people through those means. Thanks. And we're delighted, Peter, that you're on the podcast working with Instech as well as a corporate member. Tell us a little bit about why you work with Instech. We're a very small company. It's hard for us to get the ears of bigger companies. Instech, with the platform that you all are offering, you guys are kind of the place to watch for emerging technology in the insurance space. We got involved because we think that that's a, a great way for us to kind of make new friends, so to speak. 
on a personal note, Henry, we could see that you're a person who is really passionate about this and really understands this business very well and knows who the key players are. So we certainly wanted to work with you as well. What should people remember about Floodbase? I think the most exciting thing about Floodbase is that we're bringing this possibility of parametric flood to the table. Like I said at the very beginning of our discussion, it's so hard to build a parametric flood product. Floods are very complex. They're hard to model, their impacts are hard to understand, and they're hard to turn into a parameter. What we're bringing to the table is the ability to offer flood insurance everywhere on the planet to everyone. And I think that's a real game changer. This is the only technology that's suited to basically everywhere in the world. So anywhere that you wanna build a parametric flood program, that can be done with this technology. And that's pretty exciting. So you mentioned earlier, people can find you at peter at floodbase.com or, or find you on your website as well. Who are you excited to hear from? We're excited to hear from anyone. One thing that we didn't really cover is how do we actually get paid? And I think that's important because that sometimes dictates whether people actually want to talk to us or not. In the insurance space, so for parametric transactions, we're essentially paid a success fee. So talking to us, looking at parametric structures with us, that doesn't cost anything. If you're a broker and you say, hey, I've got this client that's having a real problem with flood, we'd love to look at a parametric flood cover. Contact us. We'll talk to you. We'll put something together for you. We'll show you what we think it should cost. Ultimately, that's the carrier's decision, but we produce the data that determines the core pricing for the carrier. We'll show you the structure. We'll show you historical flood maps. That doesn't cost a carrier anything. It doesn't cost a broker anything. Theoretically, if a corporate came to us directly and said, hey, you know, we'd like to talk, you know, we don't want to get in the way of the broker in that situation, but it doesn't cost anything to have that conversation with us to look at what a parametric flood cover would look like. It only costs something if somebody buys it. So a free conversation, some flood maps, and let's structure a parametric transaction. That's right. And of course, you know, education. If you're a broker who is not super familiar with parametric, we're happy to talk to you about parametric. If you have never looked at a flood transaction before, either in the indemnity space or as a parametric, we're happy to talk to you about that. For us, this is about building a market. Joining this company, there wasn't a parametric flood market. People ask how many parametric flood deals are out there. It's very, very, very few. What we hope to get out of conversations like this is for people to understand that it does exist. It's growing. There's a huge need for it. Flood has the world's largest insurance protection gap relative to all other perils. This is a solution that's out there, and we'd love to talk to people about it. Thanks so much, Peter. It's been great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Henry. Well, we're delighted to have Floodbase as one of our Instech members, and you can find out a whole lot more about parametric insurance and flood risk at www.instech.co. And if you're wondering how we can help you share your stories to the world and find new business partners, then please do contact us to find out more about membership. Hello at instech.co. That's it. We're done. <laughs>